Hey, welcome to the Misfits for Jesus radio ministry and podcast. What's going on, guys? Hey, another day, another Sunday, huh? Ah, Barry, it feels good to be continuing to be the employee of the month at Picture Perfect Pig. <laughs> wow. Almost 34 years now. 34 huh? years. 34 times 12. Wow. That's over 100 and under 1,000, something like that. <laughs> but, I, you know, I'm tickled. But, Bear, so we had a huge, oh, yeah. huge, yes, yes. <laughs> we had a huge show last week, and it would appear that the listeners loved it. All right. All right. Jamie came in last week, Barry, and now this week. The second half. The, the other second, half. The, what did you say, lesser half? If the better half, <laughs> the, better the better half, half is always the woman, right? Yes, the better definitely. half is always the woman. Oh, right. So the lesser half came in yeah, today. Yeah. Okay. Mike, it. how are you, brother? Yeah. <laughs> Good. <laughs> so it's funny because uh, I told him earlier, Barry, you know, earlier this morning, I said, listen, man, we're trending now. Don't screw this up. All right. You know? <laughs> we're finally going up for a change. All, right? right? <laughs> All five of our listeners are tickled. We have their Barry. Now, right? <laughs> Jamie got but, you know, I, I felt last week, you know, we got to know you guys a little bit more and hear your story, which was amazing. And I guarantee it's going to touch people and it's going to help people. And it's going to bring glory to God, which is the yes, point. Exactly. You know? Make some connections yes. along the way. So yes. um, I suspect the same thing's going to happen today. Oh, yeah. Right? He's got a great testimony. He's looking at me like, I hope so, man. All right, all right. No pressure. So, right? Take it over, man. Start however you want to start. And let's uh, let's hear what, what God's been up to in your life. My name is Michael, and I'm a believer who has struggled with alcohol, drugs, anger, and pride. My life before Christ was chaos and addiction. I drank almost on a daily basis. It didn't start out that way. As a teen, I started around the age of 15. I believe the second time I drank, I blacked out. I didn't drink like most kids did. I got my first DWI when I was 16. I first smoked weed at 16. I can remember thinking when I was 15, maybe even younger than that, before I even drank or did a drug, that it would be cool to do that. So my thought process about it was already toxic, messed up at an early age. I joined the Air Force in 1982 when I was 17. Back then, you could legally drink on base at 17. This time, I also made a fake ID so I could drink outside of the base. It didn't take me long before I got in trouble for drinking. I got an Article 15, a fine, and a stripe taken away from from me for disobeying an order and was arrested. During this time, I was smoking weed on the weekends. I failed a drug test and was reprimanded for that. This was the start of many... I mean many alcohol and drug classes that I would have to take over the years, all the way until I was 50 years old. Looking back, I I can see that I was an alcoholic from a very young age and was always drinking to an extreme, blacking out or passing out. I was discharged early with a general discharge because of all the trouble I had gotten into. This was the start of my running away from my past and from my problems. When I would get into trouble, I would move and run away. I moved to Texas when I got my second DWI at the age of 20. They also found weed in the car. I got two years supervised probation. I went in to see the probation officer the first time and I didn't like him. So what did I do? I ran. I moved back to Missouri and thankfully I had a brother that paid my monthly probation payments and somehow I received a letter stating I had completed my probation. Back in Missouri, I met (laughs) up with a girl that uh, I dated in high school and got married. I was 21. We were married for 12 years and had two wonderful children. I was 
an abusive alcoholic that seldom worked, and I was a horrible husband. In 93, I received my third DWI and was waiting for court when I got my fourth DWI by the same Iowa patrolman, and I had weed in the car again. So now I'm facing some serious charges, and what do I do? I moved. I ran. I ran to Springfield, Missouri in January of 94. While my ex-wife is pregnant with our second child, I'm out drinking and driving and have a fender bender accident. I get out and flag down a taxi. The cops catch me in the taxi and arrest me. I'm in the Springfield jail being charged with my third DWI in a seventh month period. Now I'm in even a worse spot than before. Court dates comes, come and go with my third DWI in a seven month period. I'm in a bad spot. Court dates were pending and I start going to church. I went down to the altar and I prayed a prayer An emotional prayer that really didn't have any staying power because I wasn't done running. I ended up getting a suspended sentence with a two years of probation and 30 days in a rehab facility in Salem, Missouri. As soon as I got out of the rehab, I sold my car because I knew the cops were really after me. And so what do I do? I run back to Texas. One night, me and my ex-wife were coming home from the bar after drinking. And we were on the bike with me and... uh, I crashed and broke my leg. Thankfully, she walked away with some road rash. I crashed and wrecked almost every car I've ever owned when I was drunk. I would never wait for the cops to come. I'd run. By 97, after 12 years of abuse and very little support, I came home to an empty house. She had packed a few of her things and left, taking our two small kids and moved back to Missouri. I was somehow shocked at this. My thought process was really messed up, thinking, how could she leave me? Right. So Wow, what a catch. Yeah, I was. I sure was. Yeah, like, unbelievable that she would leave. I started going to church again. I can remember going to the altar again and praying for my family to come back. I asked for forgiveness and meant it, but once again, was it was just an emotional prayer. Uh, I was scared. I was in a panic. I wanted God to fix my problems. I wasn't committed to him. It was all an emotional commitment, not a true conversion. Psalms 37.5 says, commit your ways to the Lord, trust in him, which means roll them upon him as a burden too heavy to carry by yourself. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6 says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will direct your path. So my second superficial conversion on my part didn't last very long. I went into a four-year cocaine binge and, of course, alcohol. It truly was some of of my darkest days, a vicious cycle of homelessness from people's couches to people's floors to closets to sheds with no running water. I had almost overdosed many, many times. How could it get any worse? This must be my bottom. I mean, when you're telling people that if you overdose in their house, just to roll you up in a piece of carpet and throw you in a ditch, that should be your bottom. But it wasn't. I wasn't done running. I had another motorcycle wreck and broke my leg again. Needed more surgery and was on my own as far as work went. The only job I could get was driving a cab with my leg in a cast, but that didn't stop me from drinking and driving. (laughs) Actually, from the age of 16 to 50, 
years old, nothing, and I mean nothing ever stopped me from drinking. And these 35, to 35 years of alcohol and drug use, and after so many wrecks, car chases, running from the cops, sometimes when there weren't any cops around, but I thought so because of my paranoia. Yeah. Proverbs 28 one says, the wicked run away when no one is chasing them. <laughs> but the, godly, sure is, but the godly are as bold as lions. My, yeah. t- my time in Texas was coming to an end, still homeless and drinking and drugging. In 2001, I ran back to Missouri to get away from the cocaine that for four years I just couldn't seem to get away from. With no place to live, I moved back into my mom's with no job, no car, no license, but I thought to myself, at least I was away from cocaine. Shortly after returning to Missouri, I stole my mom's car and wrecked it, totaled it. I kicked my way out of the car bloody and stumbling down the road from all the alcohol and pills I had taken. I walked to a friend's house and shot up some Oxycontin and got a ride to an empty trailer on some property my family owned. My family came and got me detoxing from alcohol. I pleaded with them to get me some more alcohol so I could detox slowly. Withdrawal from alcohol is one of the most terrible feelings I've ever experienced. Some of the effects while detoxing from alcohol are you can't handle lights, sounds, and you're in a very fragile state and it can kill you. So the police are looking for me at the time my brother was living in St. Louis and could see I was going to end up in jail or prison, staying around this little town in southern Missouri. He came and got me. During all this drinking and drugging, the only thing I was able to keep was my motorcycle. I moved into a little garage on a small lot on St. Charles Rock Road in St. Louis, which happened to be owned by a member of a motorcycle club. I started off just doing small jobs around the garage, but in a very short period of time, I start hanging out and riding with the club. After hanging around for a while, I started to prospect. Prospecting is when you start having to do some not so nice or lawful things. It's a period where you must prove yourself to the club. It was a time of doing pretty much anything that was asked of me. In June of 2002, I became a fully patched member of a 1% motorcycle club. Talk about a high, I was feeling pretty good about myself. I was part of something that was bigger than me, a brotherhood. Let me tell you, riding with a pack of 50 brothers, you feel pretty untouchable. Your head is big, your chest is puffed up. <laughs> it's a very macho, prideful thing for sure. Of course, this didn't show uh, slow my addictive behavior down. The access to more drugs and partying lifestyle just fueled it on. And this is where I traded cocaine for meth. Some of the people that I was around started running drugs. Now this is well documented. I'm not telling anything that hasn't been in the paper or on TV. I was glad to get involved in this. It was easy money and I didn't have to work a real job. So I was all for it. I quickly uh, went from my only possession of one bike to three bikes, cars, trucks, and money to burn. This lasted until the feds and the ATF and local cops kicked my door in in January of 2009. Fifteen people were indicted on a drug conspiracy. Eleven of us were club members and four were associates. The high life, the easy money was over and at the end of 2009 I, I pled guilty to using a communication device. 
to distribute marijuana and received a four-year sentence in the federal prison. While out on bond on the federal charge, I assaulted the girl that I was living with in a drunken rage and received a four-year state prison sentence to run with the federal sentence. With my bond revoked, I could no longer run, but yet through all of this, I wasn't done. I wasn't done drinking. I wasn't done drugging. I wasn't done hurting the people that love me. I wasn't done hurting the people that I loved. While I was in Michigan prison doing my federal time, I got in this residential drug and alcohol program. If you complete this, you get six to nine months off your sentence. Well, of course, I messed that up too. Me and my celly, <laughs> like, me and my celly made ten gallons of hooch. I decided to drink all night, and in the morning I kept drinking. I ended up on the yard trying to start a fight. The guards came and threw me in the hole where I stayed for six months. Oh, After I did my federal time in prison, I got out and went straight back to the club, right back to the drinking, the drugs, the pride and violence of it. Proverbs twenty six eleven says. As a dog returns to his vomit, is a fool who repeats his foolishness. Yep. I had lost my driver's license for 10 years from all the DWIs, but I kept getting driving while revoked tickets, so it had been 18 years since I had a license when I got out of prison in 2013. They had sent me to a halfway house in Columbia, the Reality House. One night, I'd <laughs> snuck some alcohol into <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it was real. And then I, I snuck some alcohol into the halfway house and started drinking. I blacked out and woke up in the Columbia jail, charged with assault on a police officer. I had a black eye, my clothes were all torn, and I didn't know what happened. Come to find out later, I had jumped the counter at the receiving desk of the halfway house and chased the staff into a locked room. The cops were called. I was told I had swung on the cops, and after bonding out of the Columbia Jail, I was supposed to return to the halfway house. Instead, I was walking the streets, drinking, eventually ending up at a club member's house where club members were telling me to go back to the halfway house before I got an escape or abscounding charge. I'm going to pause right there, and we're going to take a quick break and be right back. Lang Insurance is your local, trusted, independent insurance agency for 40 years and growing. Steve Lang says, I dare you to compare your current home and auto insurance policy to our top 10 insurance companies. Most of the time, we will save you money, sometimes thousands. Either way, you will know that you have the best policy at the best price. Lang Insurance, someone local you can trust for a free, no obligation insurance quote on home auto business life and health call 636-229-7000 636-229-7000 or go to langinsurance.com 24 7 dare to compare lang insurance so welcome back let me just tree top it barry you know, we have a lot of ex-losers around here. A lot of them. <laughs> and we always say, well, you're the biggest loser. I thought I was till I met you. Right. We are, Barry, we have officially met the biggest loser. <laughs> and I'm saying something, Mike, because we know a lot of them. We're gonna get, but we're going to get to the good stuff when he became a winner in a minute. That's right. Okay. That's right. So you're wandering the streets of Columbia. Is that right? Columbia, Missouri, yes. Okay. And uh, So I had returned to the halfway house drunk. They would only let me into the lobby, surprise. 
of the halfway house where I was arrested again by the U.S. Marshals. I was taken to Jefferson City. I woke up thinking I'm probably headed back to prison. Instead of prison, I received more halfway house time, and this is how I was on alcohol, not caring about the damage I would cause others or myself. Insanity. Finally, somehow I had finished my halfway time, or so I had thought, and went home in April of 2013. I only had one year of federal probation, and right off the bat, I was drinking and doing drugs. One of the first nights back home, I was at the clubhouse, and in came a girl. I had doobie never met this one over doobie. here. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Could it be Jamie? Yeah, it was Jamie. Now, wait a minute. You yeah. came to the club? I, yeah, I was hanging around the clubhouse while he was in prison. Oh, and you, oh. Were, you were like, we how you doing? Met. He oh, came yeah, walking so in like, dang. I had okay. just gotten back from St. Croix. Uh, oh, <laughs> world wow. traveler. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so she was, uh, she was very pretty, and I was immediately drawn to her. We sat and drank. Earlier that day, I was doing burnouts in front of the clubhouse on my bike, and some... <laughs> Someone videotaped it. The next day, <laughs> I called. This cool. <laughs> this next day, uh, the next day, I called this girl, and that I had met the night before. Somehow, I got her phone number, and asked if she could help me with my phone because I, I wasn't very phone savvy at the time, and I wanted to see her again. Good move, dude. Yes, yeah. Yes. yeah. She agreed, and then on the second time we, that we met. I remember saying to her, now don't try this out there in Radio Land because uh, <laughs> it probably ain't going to work. But i like, what if someday we get married? And here begins this roller coaster relationship with this pretty girl. Little did she know the guy she was getting The involved. trouble she was headed for. Yes, for real. Mama tried. Yeah, <laughs> right. When you're standing next to a burning, blazing fire, your nice little campsite fire doesn't look so bad. It looks under control and manageable. That was us together. Her nice little campfire was a facade. It wasn't real. It was a girl who was an alcoholic and drug user. A girl that was so hurt and broken inside, but she managed her fire a lot better than I managed mine. Hmm. She still was a fire that was out of control. I had made a promise to myself that I would never put my hands on another girl, that my days of an abuser were over that I would control myself and I would control my anger and I could up to a certain point but in my drunkenness and blackouts I had no control it's not an excuse our relationship was alcohol and drug fueled so why not get married Lots that sounds of like a great idea yeah. <laughs> isn't that what everybody does <laughs> right, right, right. That great. so after meeting meeting in April we got married in August it was a biker wedding. We drank and got high before, during, and after we got married. <laughs> mm -hmm. It was days full of these very things, alcohol, drugs, and fighting. During this time, I was still on probation. I was filling drug screens. I was leaving the state on club runs, not showing up to my classes or meeting with my probation officer. And finally, he put me in jail for a weekend, then eventually put me in to the Dismas House, the federal halfway house in St. Louis for failing everything I was supposed to do. While I was in the Dismas house, my wife came and visited me on Sundays. We would go to church. Once again, I thought I was right with God. Well, he that was I, showing you favor. Mm -hmm. Way favor. Way in oh, advance yeah. because they should have locked you up oh, and just left you there and yes. let you sober up for a yeah, few years. Yes. <laughs> you got for favor sure. early. Yes, yep. And so uh, we were going to church and I thought I was, you know, surrendering. Uh, and on the right path, but I was a double-minded person. James 1, 17 says, For that person 
must not suppose he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. And I definitely was. After being released from the halfway house, we started going to FCFC in Warrington, in Warrington, Missouri. It didn't take long before we started drinking and doing drugs again. Still running, still doing the same things that had been so hurtful to all my family. My wife was tired of how I was and what I was doing. I would drink on the job. I would go into gas stations and buy pints of alcohol and take it to the bathroom and drink it while she was in the car or my co-workers were in the company truck. I was completely out of control with my drinking. By this time, she had moved out and gotten an apartment. And after a while, I, somehow I'd, I uh, finagled my way back into the apartment with her. We would go to church, but also go to the bars. It was now September of 2014. I was home from work. I had been drinking. And by the time she came home, I was in a blackout from drinking. And, and that is where another one of our many fights turned violent. According to her, I started it, and she joined right in. What I did then was wrong. After this fight, I took off, and I ran, and I was arrested. The next day, while detoxing in the Warren County Jail, I was charged with two felonies. There I was again in jail, facing serious prison time. My wife was terrified of me and was completely done with me and our marriage. As I sat there in shock of what had happened, how could I have done what I was accused of? I remember thinking of ending my life. What was wrong with me? How did my whole life come to this point? Ashamed, beaten down, suicidal, scared, sick. I didn't even feel like praying. All I felt was numb. I knew this was my bottom. I ran full steam for 35 years to find the bottom that at times I thought I had found before. But my selfishness, my running away, and my addiction seemed to always get me away from my past bottoms. But this time there was absolutely no running from this. I had a $50,000 cash-only bond, and that wasn't happening. In the past, when I found myself in a bad spot, I'd pray and ask God for help. And at least three times in the past, I had made an emotional, shallow, what I thought were conversions or commitments. But that's what they were. They were shallow. Matthew 13 18 through 23 says, Now listen to the explanation of the parable about the farmer planting seeds. The seed that fell on the footpath represents those who hear the message about the kingdom and don't understand it. Then the evil one comes and snatches away the seed that was planted in their hearts. The seed on the rocky soil represents those who hear the message and immediately receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they don't last long. They fall away as soon as they have problems or are persecuted for believing God's word. The seed that fell among the thorns represents those who hear God's word, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the worries of this life and the lure of wealth. So no fruit is produced. The seed that fell on good soil represents those who truly hear and understand God's word and produce a harvest of 30, 60, or even 100 times as much as had been planted. So these past three conversions were shallow. They were emotional. I was just in it to get out of a bad situation. I wasn't rooted, and I let the cares of this world and the lure of this world take over again and again. Proverbs 3, 5 through 6 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart, and in all your ways acknowledge Him, and He shall direct your paths. 
Up to this point, I had relied on Michael's own understanding, Michael's way. I did things my way. Can you relate to that? Whose ways has gotten you to where you are right now? I was the one directing my path, and where did he get me? My path, my choices were hurtful, selfish, prideful. Psalms 25.4 says, Make me know your ways, O Lord. Teach me your paths. So there I was sitting in a drunk tank by myself, detoxing again. I, I make a very dry, unemotional plea to God for help and forgiveness. Romans 10.13 says, Whosoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. There is a song out there by a group called Bethel. The name of the song is called You Came. In those two to three days, I was in that drunk tank. I called on the name of the Lord, and that's exactly what he did. He came. He came to save me, to save my soul. Not necessarily to get me out of a prison sentence, but he came for something so much greater. He came to save my life. I cannot tell you how unemotional it was for me. I didn't have a great emotional awakening. I was under such a great conviction of my past, of what I had been doing all these years. But just because I wasn't feeling warm and all fuzzy inside, that didn't mean that God wasn't right there with me. Come on, me. that's right. That's right. Even though I was so unfaithful to him he was faithful to show up my wife put a restraining order on me which meant no contact whatsoever with her no letters no phone calls no visits she had told my family and friends she was filing for divorce and she did friends and club brothers were telling me she was hanging out at the bars and and a friend even said she was seeing another guy i was so desperate to talk to her and couldn't and hearing all these things some true some not true but at the time, I thought they were true, and it was eating me up inside. In the next couple of weeks, I started to read my Bible. I started to go to church. And in Warren County Jail, they had two different set of men that would come into the jail. One was from FC out of Warrington. I was so very thankful to have these guys come into the jail every week and share with us God's Word to speak life into me when I was at my lowest of lows. The devotionals and music sheets really helped me when I went back to my cell. I can remember singing those songs word for word, not just humming them because I had the words right there in front of me. In the midst of all this, I was still very worried and upset and afraid of what was going to happen to my marriage. Was she really going to go through with this divorce? How many years would I be sentenced to? One day while in my cell, I got on my knees and prayed a simple but powerful prayer. I asked Jesus, and the Heavenly Father, I prayed to him and I said, no matter what Jamie, my wife does, no matter what anyone else does, I'm going to live for you. I surrender all that I am, all of my life to you. I want to tell you that prayer completely changed my life forever. Hallelujah. Because yeah. it wasn't a shallow, oh, please, God, get me out of this mess. It was take this mess that I am, dear God, and use me. Save me, dear God, from myself. It was a commitment. I committed to God. No matter what, I am yours and I will live for you. From that moment on, I have been committed to living a life in Christ. I wouldn't trade it for anything this world has or has to offer. Psalms 34.8 says, Taste and see that the Lord is good. Oh, the joys of those who take refuge in Him. 
So much has happened for the good since September the 10th, 2014. You know, your life has a ripple effect on everything around you. I can say now the ripple effect of my life. My actions and my motives are good. They have been a blessing to everyone I love. I'm not that selfish person that I was. I have a new heart, a new outlook. Ezekiel 36, 26. And I will give you a new heart mm -hmm. and a new mind. I will take away your stubborn heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Revelation 21, 5 says, Behold, I will make all things new. I am here to testify to you that he has done that for me. And he will do the same for you if you surrender to him. Have a great week. Make sure to tell somebody about Jesus, guys. Thanks for listening. That's all. I've lived for money and uh, I've lived for fame. Yeah, I've lived for man and set the plan.